0: I remember my uh, first week of work. I walked into a staff meeting that we usually have, and I uh, sat down in my chair, and I looked around the room, and I realized something very important. I realized, one, that I was one of the only uh, people in that room that was born and raised in the United States, and two, that I was probably one of the only people in the room that didn't speak another language fluently. You see, I have the blessing and the honor of working with people that are mostly refugees and immigrants from all over the world. And my coworkers are some of the funniest and most charming people you have ever met. Um, we have the best potlucks in the entire city. I absolutely guarantee it. Um, and uh, we always have these funny kind of diversity things that are happening in our office all the time. Our office is like a like a modern day Tower of Babel. Um, it's very confusing all the time, and there's a hundred different languages going on. I walked into an office meeting once with a really terrible cough, and my coworker from Bhutan said. Yeah, so do you have a cough? Well, you need to drink warm milk with honey, which was soon followed by my coworker from Mexico who pulled out a bag out of her purse and said, You need to drink this tea. My mom sent it from Mexico. <laughs> Don't take a drug test anytime soon. <laughs> followed by my Somali coworker who then says to me, You need to drink tea with a bunch of sugar and it. it will coat your throat and make you feel better. My two Russian coworkers walk in and say, They're all wrong. What you need to do is take a glass of vodka. Wait a second, you're an American. Take a shot of vodka. Put a bunch of pepper in it. Drink that. It'll make you cough so much you'll feel better in any moment. That was followed by my program director saying, why don't you try all those things when you go home from work today? Uh, And so I I just have this great honor and privilege of working with people all over the world and refugees that come to the United States, teaching them culture orientation, which is basically America 101. Here's everything you need to know to survive and do well in our new country. And in my first three months of work, I was on a webinar uh, with cultural orientation advisors from all over the world. So people that are teaching CO domestically within the United States, people that are teaching cultural orientation um, in Africa and Southeast Asia and the Middle East and South America. And and they're giving us information about what refugees are being told before they arrive to US soil. And at the end of it, there was some question and answer time and somebody asked the question, what's the most common question you get asked in overseas orientation? What's the most pressing thing that refugees wanna know about? And I'll never forget the answer to that question, which was this. The first, the most important thing refugees want to know is, what do I do if I meet a gay person? Now before we all think, why would that even matter, we have to understand that refugees are coming from countries where this homosexuality is still an illegal act. Where if you're homosexual, it's likely that you could incur beatings, you could be put into prison, you could actually face death that for them this is a taboo topic. This is something we don't talk about in their culture, in their religions, and a lot of times in their countries or in their lives. And for them, this is an actual real question. What do I do if I meet a gay person? And for me, this question also mattered because I had moved to Alaska with my girlfriend. I had been working in my job for three months. And I heard that question, and I made a decision right then and there. I made the decision that what I was gonna do is I was gonna do my job. I was gonna work at my job. I was gonna be an advocate outside of my job, and at my job, I was gonna do my job. That my sexual orientation didn't belong in a classroom because what would they do if they met a gay person? And so the world around me happens. I'm in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm working on non-discrimination ordinance policies. In 2012, we're trying to pass a non-discrimination ordinance in the municipality. I'm on the volunteer task force for that. I'm going to Lisa Murkowski's office trying to ask her to pass a non-discrimination ordinance. I volunteer at the Gay and Lesbian Community Center. You know, I get engaged to the woman that I moved to Alaska with. And while all these things are happening around me, I'm going to my office. And I'm not lying. I'm not, t- not telling my coworkers who I am. I'm just avoiding talking about it. You see, that same question that was asked by the refugees, what do I do if I meet a gay person? I didn't know what my coworkers would say to me. And so I made this decision to live in two worlds. I lived in a world where I would go to work and do my job and I would walk out of work and be an advocate for myself and for my community. And in June of 2013, it's the first time that we're talking about marriage equality on the national level, the Supreme Court's going to take the DOMA case the Defense of Marriage Act. Is the marriage defined between a man or a woman or not? Edie wins or sues, and it gets up to the Supreme Court. Now, my wife will probably attest that I'm kind of a dork and a history uh, maniac and political maniac, if anyone was at my last Arctic Entry story. Um, And so I set an alarm clock and I woke up in the morning to check the SCOTUS blog, the Supreme Court of the United States blog. I uh, was was scrolling on my phone, waiting, waiting, waiting for that SCOTUS blog to update. When the SCOTUS blog came through, it said that DOMA had been overturned, that for the first time in this country, we were making strides towards marriage equality. I remember laying in my bed next to my fiance at the time, now wife, and looking at her and crying and not even imagining that, that everything in our lives could be real, that for the first time, we might have marriage equality, and when we got married, it might be real. And it's a it's fascinating thing, right? Doma passes, my phone is ringing, people are calling me, people are texting me. You get on Facebook, it looks like a rainbow just vomited all over everything. <laughs> Everybody's updating their Facebook status, me included. I'm finding like a photo of me where I hiked flat top with a, like a giant rainbow flag. Um, so I'm standing there with my giant flag of, of pride. I, I'm, I'm proud of who I am and I'm proud of what's happening. But I still, just like those refugees have fear, what do I do if I meet a gay person? I also have this fear. What will they think of me if they know I am a gay person? I go to work and I walk into my office and I continue my day as I normally would without saying anything. As I'm walking down the hall to leave my office, I hear a coworker yell, hey, yes, so wait a second. I turn around. The person walking towards me is from a country where you are killed for being homosexual if you're caught in the act. He's from a country um, that has experienced extreme violence for most of his life. He is a Muslim man where his religion doesn't necessarily be open to who I am as a person. He walked down the hall, and as he got closer to me, he reached out his hands in a way that signified he wanted to grab my hand. I held my hand out to him, and I said, hey, what's up? And he grabbed my hand in both hands, and he looked at me in the eye, and he said, today is an important day for your family. And I looked at him as one does when they have no idea what to do. Um, And I was in awe and and I didn't know where this was going necessarily. And he said, you know, I'm from a place where nothing good ever happened and the United States let me come here. And they opened this country to me and I was given equality and freedom. And I've seen what it looks like when someone is told that they don't deserve something because they're different than you. And despite my religion and my culture, and all the things that I know. Today, I'm happy to be your friend. And today, your family is equal to my family. And I looked at him and I said, thank you. <laughs> and, I, and I walked right out the door and sat down in my car and started to cry. And I sat in that car and I cried, and I didn't cry because he had shocked me with what he said. I didn't cry because he had done something I wasn't expecting. I cried because I realized for the first time in my life as I sat in that car that I had done to him the one thing I didn't want anyone to ever do to me. To judge me for who I was. To look at me by one stereotype and think that they could never understand or be my friend because of who I was. And I had done that to him. And I sat in that car and I cried because I realized that it was an opportunity for me to change that perception. And when I got married to my wife on May 10th, 2014, happy anniversary. uh, (laughs) I, I invited my whole staff to that wedding and we got a card that I could never describe to you what it was. It wasn't tolerance, it was complete acceptance. And so I gave them the opportunity to be... I, I, I get to participate in the diversity of our office now by showing up every day by being who I am.